My biggest piece of advice that I always give is don't limit yourself geographically. I think what really helped me, you know, I had a family that was supportive of me going wherever I needed to go. And I could literally, at the drop of a dime, move. I could get in my car and just go somewhere. And I mean, I was, I always had that mindset. I was never, man, I, I just, I really want to stay in Kansas or, Hey, I like Los Angeles. I really just want to stay in LA. I always have a mindset of I'll go wherever it takes. Sports science, strength and conditioning, high performance coaching. Welcome to the decoding excellence show. Today's episode of the Decoding Excellence Show is brought to you by Vaud Performance, the makers of the Nordboard, the Dashboard, and the Groin Bar. Whether it's return to play, rehabilitation, or performance testing and training, Vaud Performance has the tools you need. So who's actually using Vaud Performance technology? I don't know, something like 14 NFL, 19 NCAA, 15 English Premier League, 7 English Championship, 5 NBA teams, and 6 MLB teams. They have the tools you need to get the best out of your athletes. Check them out at vaudperformance.com. Hey everyone, welcome to or welcome back to the Decoding Excellence Show. We have a monster of an episode for you today, and it features... Mike Menace, the coordinator of performance nutrition for the Philadelphia Eagles in the National Football League. Michael spent a lot of time moving from place to place, and his journey through the world of athletics, through the world of nutrition and strength and conditioning is a robust journey. He started out at Kansas State University, spent time at Exos, had a stop at University of Oklahoma, to the University of Texas at Austin, to eventually a, uh, an internship position in Philadelphia Eagles before landing a position at University of Southern California. Michael shares his journey, his pathway, his ethos into the world of sports nutrition and why it's a fascinating one and why more athletes should pay closer attention to their nutrition as it affects their performance. This was a wide-ranging conversation with Michael and I took about three pages of notes uh, and things that really resonate uh, with me to this day. So I know you're going to take a lot away from this conversation. Sit back. It's a fun conversation between Michael and I and, uh, and enjoy. So without further ado, here is my conversation with coordinator of performance nutrition for the Philadelphia Eagles, Michael Minnis. Michael, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Great, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've looked forward to this show for a, a number of weeks now. Um, I know we were going back and forth on Twitter trying to set this thing up, and uh, just really, really excited to be able to find you uh, on a free Sunday. And I know it's probably they're starting to get more and more rare as as things start revving up for you here. Um, but uh, how are things going uh, in your side of town? Great, man. So we're with uh, so I'm with the Eagles and we're with the in the uh, offseason program right now. So we're about to move into our OTAs. So when we really start getting into practice and we have the rookies here now. So it's really fun kind of seeing the new the new faces in in there as well. So we have about four more weeks of um, offseason program. Then we get into that little break and then camp will start back up in July. So it's a it's a fun time right now because from the performance side, strength, conditioning side, nutrition side, we really get a get our hands on them now more than any other time 
this season. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. I, uh, I can sort of relate to that just from a collegiate standpoint only because, you know, we are about to, I have all of our local athletes still here and, and in about two weeks, we'll get the fresh batch of new incoming college freshmen rolling in yep. for summer a, and it's, you know, it's a touch point for us within NCAA regulations where, you know, coaches, staff will get two hours of, uh, of skill work a week and mm-hmm. we get the other six. So, yeah. you know, like we are the eyes and the ears, the, the, the feelers of personalities of work ethics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're, you're probably in that same camp as, as, as you're, uh, finishing up this off season and OTA is just coming up and around the corner here. Yep. Absolutely. No, it's a great time. Yeah. The coaches, yeah, they're, yeah, they're always down there in our ears, wondering about the eyes and stuff like that. Because we're around the guys more than they are, which is pretty unique. I think for the listening audience, because we have a wide range of uh, of a listening audience that that listens to Decoding Excellence shows from East Coast to West Coast to international. I'd love for you to just sort of describe your your background from an educational, from a home setting. Uh, to what led you to what is your your current position at the Philadelphia Eagles, professional sports coordinator of performance nutrition. But there's so much that I, I would imagine goes into it. So I'd, I'd love to hear about your rich history and, and what brought you to where you're currently at. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from a town called Buckland, Kansas. It's B-U-C-K-L-I-N. It's in uh, southwest Kansas. It's about town about 700 people. So I graduated with 14 people in my class. So obviously a very, very small town. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you hear about, yeah, there's no stoplights. We had one grocery store. Um, we had like a corner restaurant, corner bar that was open and closed every other week. It felt like, <laughs> um, you know, so when we had to go, go get groceries or go to the movie or do something like that, we actually had to go to Dodge city or, you know, it was even big time. If we went to Wichita, Wichita was like a getaway for the weekend, <laughs> So we would go to Wichita for the weekend, stay in a hotel, go to the movies, um, go out to eat. And that was like a big deal for us. So, um, yeah, so it's a little small town. I have two older sisters and both of my parents are, are self-employed. Um, so kind of, you know, saw that ethic of hard work growing up and, and was raised really well. Just very grateful to have a, a great supportive family. Um, went to the University of Kansas out of high school. Had really no idea what I wanted to do. I always played sports. I played three sports in high school was always very active, but it was easy to be because you're from such a small town. It's not yeah. like we had tryouts or anything like that. I mean, everybody was involved in everything. I mean, we were in sports and band and vocal and everything. So, which was kind of a cool, very unique yeah. aspect of being about from a small town. But went to the University of Kansas um, in Lawrence, Kansas. And really the only reason I went there is because my oldest sister went there and I really liked the town. And so that really is the only rhyme or reason why I even went. Um and I decided to just do a business degree. So I was there for a year feeling it out, ended up doing business because that's what my sister did. So I just kind of wanted to follow in her footsteps. Um, so decided to do a business degree and it was in information systems is what I decided to put the, uh, emphasis on. And I really had no idea why <laughs> or any rhyme or reason why I was doing that. So ended up going through, uh, at KU and, you know, in about, about three and a half, about three years in when it started to get, get real, and started getting time to apply for internships and stuff like that. I was like applying for internships with software companies in Kansas City, and it just didn't feel right. I mean, yeah. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not really passionate about this. Um, you know, there were jobs out there, and a lot of my friends were getting jobs, and they were good jobs, good paying jobs right out of college. And 
you know, I just kind of, you know, I really about my senior year of college there, I really started getting into just the nutrition aspect. So I always, like I said, I played sports. I always worked out in college. Um, and I worked out pretty hard, I felt like, but I really wasn't seeing the progress that, that I felt like I should be seeing. And I was totally neglecting nutrition. I mean, I, but you know, as a senior in college, I had never thought about what I was putting in my body, why I was doing it, when I was doing it, what it was doing. I mean, I literally didn't think about any of that stuff until I was 20, 20 years old, 21 wow. years old. And when I was really, I picked a book up and, you know, then kind of just it kind of went from there. So about senior year at KU, I was like, you know what, I'll finish out my degree because I'm so close, but I want to do something with nutrition and exercise. Um, that's what I'm passionate about. And really what, what drove me to that was there's so many things that we can't control in this world, but those nutrition and exercise are two things that we can control. And the fact that you can control what you put into your body and actually see tangible changes from that is pretty mind blowing. Yeah. In my opinion. So I think that's what really drove, drove me to it. So I, I did a little investigation. Um, and mind you, this was 2010, 2011, so sports nutrition, I mean, it's still a niche, but sports nutrition even six years ago was even more of a niche. I mean, when you look at the, the full-time RDs in college and the pros right now, I mean, they were they was slim pickings. Mm-hmm. I mean, there weren't very many of them. I mean, there's still, there's still not very many of them now, but six years ago there was definitely not very many. So I did some research, and I saw that Kansas State University had a dietetics program, and I didn't even know what dietetics meant. <laughs> You know, I mean, I was like, I want to, I want to do nutrition, and they yeah. kind of explained what dietetics is, is you know, essentially the same thing as nutrition, but then they started explaining, you know, you can become a registered dietitian. Registered dietitians usually work in, you know, clinical settings or community settings, um, that type of thing, and that was not what I was interested in. You know, I was like, I want to be, this is, I want to do this whole sports nutrition thing. I want to kind of marry exercise and, and nutrition. I want to work with athletes and that type of thing. Um, and you know, they, they kind of was, they kind of looked at me funny, but there was a guy there that had been doing, he was also interested in, he had actually been working for Kansas state's basketball team, like, uh, just as a consultant. So, um, I knew it could be done. And, um, so basically ended up transferring over to Kansas state and I did a dual bachelor's, uh, master's degree. So for two years I did an undergrad, um, in dietetics and again, you know, very scary because the whole time I was there, it was all management classes, clinical classes. So we're talking about managing diabetes and, you know, what do you do after this type of surgery and what types of foods can you do after this type of procedure? And it's stuff I wasn't necessarily interested in. Yeah. There was no sports nutrition classes through the two years. I mean, it was all food science and, and things like that. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of doubt obviously like over my course of time because you know i had to pay for my schooling and that type of thing and the loans were really piling up and a lot of you know sometimes self-doubt on you know am i doing the right thing should i have just went and got a job in business you know i could be living in kansas city making a a salary right now now i'm back in school not not doing even what i want to do so so then after two years of the the undergrad so then there's a there's an internship program basically that uh a national internship program uh, that you apply for. And it's pretty competitive. It's about a 50% acceptance rate um, nationally. And so I applied 
to a few. I think I applied to about four. And it's expensive. Um, you have to pay for each one. There's a ton of stuff that goes up uh, to, you know, to make yourself competitive. Yeah. And I ended up not getting matched my first so I applied, and I had this whole thing set up. I was going to go do my dietetic internship. I was going to, you know, get through the clinicals, get through all that stuff, just to get my RD, and then to do sports nutrition. So it was still a long haul because I knew I didn't even have any sports nutrition background yet. Um, and so I applied for it, didn't get matched. So then I had to wait six months to reapply. And I mean, you can imagine the doubt that came over me during that yeah. time. Um, so I went back again and I just did the master's part of it. So I just stayed in school, did the master's thing. And then funny, I was doing an internship at the dining hall. Um, so I was like a man, I was, I mean, I was wearing a hairnet wow. on a daily basis. I was doing basically food service. I was basically, um, managing cooks and chefs that had been there for 30, 40 years. And they were looking at me like I was insane yeah because i was this young kid and you know they had been there but it was the it was the dining center that all the freshmen ate at okay but the the thing was that there was an athlete uh line so there's like the training table quote unquote yeah where the athletes would come and eat and so i kind of like squeezed my way into (laughs) that and i let them i was like can i manage that line at least just to get around athletes yeah and help with the menus and the menus were i mean you know, they weren't great by any means. Um, and they let me create this education. So I created like a series of education, you know, on importance of carbohydrate and importance of hydration and some really basic stuff. But it made me feel so good to be able to kind of get some materials out there and start educating the guys, even though it was 100 percent passive education. I mean, they had to walk by the poster and look up at it um, for it to do anything. But and I'm not sure how, you know, maybe two guys looked at it. Maybe I have no idea. But it made me feel good. It made me feel I was like, okay, this is I'm like I'm in the right direction now. Yeah. And then a lady that I worked with there, she actually she she emailed me one night. And I'll never forget it. And it was it was just another food service management um, woman there. And she she sent me this internship at that was at Exos or Athletes Performance at, at the that time. time. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was Athletes Performance. Yep. And she said, Hey, have you ever heard of this? And I said, No. And she's like, Well, I think they they look for nutrition interns. And I was like mind blown. I was like, oh my gosh, this is ath- like athletes, sports nutrition, yeah. all all that type of stuff. So yeah, so it was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I ended up applying, and I got an internship in Phoenix in the summer of 2013. So I went out to Phoenix, um, and with athletes' performance, uh, worked under Erica Winchesky as a dietitian, but Brett Bartholomew, as you know, he was there as a strength and conditioning coach, um, and that was my really true, my first true experience with really diving in to sports nutrition really um, immersing myself in that culture and i mean i fell in love i mean it was it's kind of you know that was really the start for me and i knew that's what i wanted to do i mean it was unpaid and all that type of stuff and i just loved it i couldn't get enough of it so i finished i did that in the summer of 2013 for three months um, working with every type of athlete you could imagine um and then when i went back to k-state i decided to to reapply that next you know, when the six months came up and I applied to University of Oklahoma. And the reason I applied to University of Oklahoma was when I talked to their directors of the programs, I, you know, explicitly said, hey, I'll do all the clinical management, everything I need to do. But sports nutrition is my that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, or how flexible are you 
you know, and allowing me to kind of to explore that. And they're like, well, you know what, Michael, we have a, a four week elective rotation and we'll let you go wherever you want. So they were like, we'll let you go out of state if you want. Wow. And that was a seller. I was like, I'm in. So I, I uh, applied to that and then got into OU. So then I moved down to uh, McAllister, Oklahoma. I lived in the, I lived in the happy days hotel. <laughs> and I mean, it was, I mean, I had like a, uh, Elvis Presley themed room. It was pink. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was crazy, but, uh, I stayed in the extended stay hotel, did my clinical there at McAllister regional health center, worked with a really good dietitian actually, um, learned a lot through the through clinical rotation. But when it came to my elective rotation, I reached out to a, a guy named Josh Hinks, who's the head, the head strength coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I had got linked up with Josh when he was, um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a assistant strength conditioning coach and a nutritionist. Okay. And so he was like the first, I think probably one of the first person people to ever kind of wear those two hats and play a hybrid role full time, especially for a professional team. Yeah. So I got linked up. It's kind of a long story how I got linked up with him. But when he was in Jacksonville, I had a buddy that I met at KU had went and interned with the Jacksonville Jaguars as I think community relations or PR or something like that and ended up meeting Josh told me about Josh and he's like hey this this guy's doing what you want to do right and I said yeah send him my resume so my buddy Garrett uh that was interning there put my resume on Josh's desk Josh emailed me said hey you you know you sound like exactly like I did a few years ago um kind of trying to figure this whole path out let me know if I can ever help have any questions so I kind of followed Josh um, and I knew he had got that job in Philadelphia and I emailed Josh and said, Hey, Hey man, you, you have any internships? Like I got four weeks. I'll drive up there from here from OU and I'll do whatever. He's like, you know, we have a, we have an opportunity, but it's 11 weeks. So it was basically the off season program yeah. from April to June. And he's like, you know, I can't just have you for four. I need you for the whole time. And I said, I'll, I'll make it happen. So, <laughs> so I called my director uh, and was like, Hey man, I got this once in a lifetime opportunity. And he's like, well, you have other rotations during that time. And, you know, they were already pre-planned. And I mean, I begged, begged him to kind of, to let me do it. And we made it, we made it work. I mean, there was a, they had to basically get a contract, you know, with the Eagles and, and, oh, you had to get this contract set before I could go out there. And it was a long, I mean, it was a two month back and forth on language wow. and stuff of the contract. And I didn't know it was going to happen, but I knew I had to report, I think it was like on April, you know, whatever day, April 10th or whatever day it was. So I actually drove to Philadelphia before the contract closed. And if my director from OU ever hears this, because um, I never told him this, but I had left already and went to, to <laughs> Philadelphia. So he actually called me on my second day of work in Philadelphia and was like, hey, the contract went through. You're good to go. You're like, thank goodness. Yeah. You can, he's like, you can leave now. And I was like, all right, cool. And I'm already like in it, in Philadelphia. So, I mean, I wasn't going to take no from answer. That. Yeah. I mean, it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. So did that. And then, so I was there from, you know, April to June, um, had a great, you know, great, great experience. Just really got immersed in the sports nutrition. And at that time, you know, that was, um, chip kelly's second season with the eagles and you know sports science was kind of at yeah. it's really it was really popping there and um so could, with all their success in 2013 and so you know we could do you know whatever we wanted we have we had all the support it was it was very fun and then learned a ton 
learned a lot about just the culture of the NFL and, you know, decided it was definitely something I'd be interested in being a part of. And then went back to, to Oklahoma, had to go back to Oklahoma, finish my rotations. Then I went, you know, back to a WIC community rotation, <laughs> pricking, you know, little kids' fingers and looking at their hemoglobin. I mean, it was a complete 180 of what I had been doing, but came back, finished it. And then, you know, the Eagles and Josh and them, you know, appreciated the work that I did. So they asked me to come back uh, for the next season. So basically yeah. starting in training camp and going through the season as a paid intern. Um, and I'll, obviously I, you know, took that without any hesitation. Yeah. So went back up there for the 2014 season as a uh, just a nutrition intern. And basically, at, uh, so I went through that whole season there with the Eagles. I mean, I got to see, you know, I got to travel. I was grateful enough as an intern to travel. Um, and that was pretty cool just to see kind of what happens on the road. And, you know, he gave me a lot of responsibility um, as the nutrition. I mean, I felt like it was kind of my program, even as an intern. Um, so did that. And then actually went to the university of Texas after that season was over and did a internship there for about three months. So the season ended in January um of 15 i went to austin texas at the end of january and was there till april and i got you know i did tennis baseball so that's really i really got exposed to some different sports besides just football yeah. and i did that through a it's called gatorade uh, sports nutrition immersion program okay so i mean so any listeners you know that are interested in sports nutrition i would definitely uh it's through the cpsda um uh, organization it's a sports nutrition organization basically gatorade you know pays a stipend to uh individuals and they kind of they link them up with different there's colleges professional teams that do it so it's it's a pretty cool program so i did it did that through texas because i didn't know what i wanted to do after the eagles um, experience was over i kind of was like all right now what and so that's what came up it was paid a stipend so i was like you know that sounds great so Went to Texas, and then when I was at Texas, you know, Josh at the Eagles reached back out and said, hey, you know, would you want to come back again? And I was like, man, I'd love to, but, um, you know, I kind of talked about, you know, is there, could I, is there any type of different experience that I could acquire? And he said, well, why don't you come back as a strength and conditioning intern? Because I had, usually through my time coming up, you know, I did personal training and stuff like that in college. Um, and then when I was even at Exos and, and, and or sorry, athletes performance in Phoenix, I had tried to immerse myself in the strength and conditioning side as well. Um, cause I'd always been interested in that. Yeah. So, so when I was with the Eagles in 14, you know, I'd, I'd been a part of their meetings when they were planning training blocks and that type of thing. And, and Josh really knew I was interested. So I went back as a strength conditioning intern in the uh, off season of 2015. So that was a whole different experience for me, you know, no nutrition, all strength conditioning and really got to see that that side of it. And that's really where I started to learn about just relationship building and, and what that takes. And we'll get into that um, yeah. later. Um, finished that, that summer of 2015, I got a call from the university of Southern California and they were looking for a director of nutrition for football. And that was their first time they'd ever wanted somebody for, you know, just football and ended up taking that. So when I moved, moved back out to, out to uh, Southern California, in 2015 and was with usc football for a year as director so that was my first full-time job okay um going out there and man it was uh i had so much support from the, the head strength conditioning coach ivan lewis there i mean he really set the tone um, for me to be successful um and it was a great experience I and mean, we had you know 
pretty good season. Uh, again, it's my first full-time job, so I learned a lot about myself during that time, kind of building a program yeah. um, a little bit from scratch. So it was cool. So it was a great experience there. And then after that season, um, the Eagles reached back out and offered me uh, with the new coaching staff and everybody coming in, they offered me to come back as their coordinator nutrition. So full-time gig as well. And so it was, it was a tough, tough to leave USC. It was obviously a beautiful place and a, a great school. Um, but I just knew with, you know, in the NFL, there really are, you know, <clears throat> there's only 32 positions for nutrition at this point in time. And so it was tough to, to turn that down. So, um, and I really liked all the staff. Like Josh was still there. Sean Holes, who was the coordinator of sports science, he he was still there. I love the guys there. So decided to go back to, to Philadelphia. And so I came back to Philadelphia here as coordinator of performance nutrition last spring, so March 2016, and just about to go into my second season full-time with the Eagles. So that's nice. I know it's kind of confusing and that's a lot of dates and jumping around, but that's kind of my path. No, I, I think what's really fascinating about that, and I'm going to dig into quite a bit of this here, but uh, uh, what's fascinating about all of this is that I, I hear conversations with other coaches that uh, uh, sometimes, is, especially sometimes with my own staff of, of interns that are starting to cut their teeth out in the sport performance world. And uh, they, sometimes I think they expect that that position will come up overnight. And mm -hmm. uh, and your history, as as you just laid it out there, I mean, <laughs> you've been one that w had a relentless pursuit to find your way into this profession and and to build a program and and be uh, the coordinator of performance nutrition. And damn it, you weren't going to take no for an answer. <laughs> and I think that's that's uh, replicated or at least uh, exemplified in sort of your pursuit, whether it's at KU to K States to the dietetics to to interning to Exos to OU and and finding your way into it. I you know, as I was listening to you lay that out there, I mean, what I guess my question would be, what gave you the courage or the confidence to unabashedly embrace and pursue this to the way that you did? I, I mean, is there anything that really resonates in your mind when when I asked you say, like, how, how did you have the courage to do all of this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think it starts the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear you ask that question, I think it's my, just my family. I feel like, you know, they, they gave me so much support, um, just my whole life that it was almost like one of those things where I just couldn't let them down. Yeah. Um, and so there was always like, it was always more than just me. Um, it was about them and just making them proud, you know, being from a small town, it was just kind of a cool, I don't know. I always knew, you know, I wanted to make them proud and kind of get out there in the, quote unquote real world and um show them what i could do and i think you know i don't know it was i just had so much support from them so every time i was i mean i remember specifically a conversation um when i was at k-state and i was doing all the clinical stuff and you know i called my brother-in-law brian and you know me and brian are really close and i said hey man i think i'm gonna drop out of this dietetics thing i think i'm just gonna do exercise science um instead and just kind of see what happens you know maybe go do personal training or do something like that. He's, I was like, I don't know if I'm really interested in the, the dietetics type stuff anymore. And, you know, we had this, you know, two hour conversation and he talked me to into to staying into the program. And then, you know, this is, you know, I am where I am now, but 
um, again, I think it was honestly just conversations with family and just really just not being able to let them let them down. So it was always it was always more about just it was more than just about me through the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think one of the, the things that is really powerful about that is that, you know, so so many of us, the more that I talk to other coaches and, and practitioners and whatever field that they chose to pursue, that there's always some sort of support, whether it's from family, from friends, from mentors, from other people that that uh, help guide the path a little bit, if you will. And, yep. you know, like here you were at sort of a crossroads of whether to continue with this dietetics program, uh, thinking maybe I'm going to leave, maybe I'm going to stay in it. I don't know where I'm at. And, you know, fast forward, you know, years down the road and you're you're one of 32 uh, directors or coordinators of performance nutrition for the NFL. I mean, like that's, mm-hmm. that's, it, it's, I know it's hard to mentally think, well, I wonder what would happen if I did decide to go and pursue exercise science instead of, but what a test mm-hmm. of, uh, of both courage and resilience to stay in it. And obviously it's been fruitful and it's led you to where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just a mix of patience and you know there's definitely a little bit of luck in there too you know like i said in my story with me and my friend at ku who then went to jacksonville you know randomly to do an internship and then that's how i linked up with josh and it's just crazy in life man how sometimes things just kind of fall in place i'm a really big believer of of that yeah for sure no doubt now I, I, you know, and you provided me a lot of a a framework to kind of start to pick through a little bit. And I would love to, so you got out to USC and Mm -hmm. you're, you're now coordinating or directing their performance nutrition. And it's this first sort of full-time job and, and, uh, and you're responsible for the football team and building this nutritional program. The thing I, I wrote down that I'm just fascinated about is that, this was your opportunity. And while you had great support from Ivan, this was essentially you had to build this thing from scratch. And mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to hear about sort of maybe some of the things that that went really, really well that you maybe expected would be harder, that that you navigated much faster than what you 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 did. But but maybe also importantly, maybe some of the lessons that you've learned or some of the, the struggles that you match that many of us will match when you're building anything. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. kind of juxtapose those things that went really well and the, the things that you learned along the process of building a program. Right. Well, I mean, I think first it starts, you know, let's, we'll start with the things that really went well. And I already, I, I told you this and you just reiterated that, but I think this is a great message for really, you know, any strength and conditioning coaches, really anybody that's ahead of their um, program bringing in, whether it's strength and conditioning coaches, uh, sports nutritionists, the support that you show from day one makes all the difference. Yeah. From the head strength coach, because I remember the day one when I got there, you know, I was so nervous. And we were, I think I moved up there about seven days before we started training camp. <laughs> um, and I remember the first team meeting, you know, Ivan got up there. Um, and coach Sark, who was there, they said, listen, fellas, like whatever Mike says goes like, we fully support what he has to say, what, you know, what he wants to do. And I mean, I feel like if that doesn't happen, I just don't know that that person is set up to succeed. And then this is yeah. any program. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, especially from a, a head strength conditioning coach, you have so much influence, especially in, in college. Yeah. 
that, I mean, if you don't deliver that message day one, I think you're doing your people a, a little bit of a disservice. So I think, I think that was set up to succeed from day one, I guess is my point. And so really anything I did do after that, and obviously I didn't do everything perfect, but felt like it was successful in a sense because the guys were bought in. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, uh, I just feel like I, you know, I took the time I was, I was realistic about, you know, I took the time to really get to know guys. It was cool for me because there was no bias. I mean, I didn't know who the starting quarterback <laughs> was from the starting punter, from the yeah. long snapper, from the linebacker. I mean, I, I wasn't a Pac-12. I was a Big 12 guy, you know, football, sports. So I didn't know anything about – I mean, I remember Reggie Bush and those guys at USC. <laughs> but in 2015, I didn't know who anybody was out there. So I went in with an open slate and – I helped everybody the exact same. I gave everybody the resources they they needed. Um, I think the big the biggest thing was just a presence. I mean, I was I made sure that I was around, just around. Yeah. You know, all the time. You know, I tried to be one of the first ones in, try to be the last ones to leave, and just be around the guys. You know, it was tough not being a you know not being the strength and conditioning piece there because you know that's where you spend a ton of time with guys on the floor, and so I kind of had to be. Um, a little bit strategic in the way where I spent time with the guys. So obviously I had to go to the training table and spend a lot of time with the guys, but it's a tough balance because I, I don't call, I don't ever want to associate myself with being the food police. Yeah. Quote unquote. So I don't ever want to be the dietitian nutritionist that's just hanging out in the uh, training table and it make it seem like you're overlooking their shoulder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, looking yeah. over their shoulder a little bit. So it was a tough balance for me because I didn't want to ever come off um, like that. So I think one of the biggest things that had an impact that very first year was that, you know, like I said, they started from scratch. So during camp, I know they, they got a lot of to-go meals at night. So, you know, they get done with practice. They practice in the evenings. And then, you know, they would get uh, a box, you know, maybe Chick-fil-A or um, something like that. You know what I mean? And nothing yeah. wrong with Chick-fil-A or anything like that. Yeah, but I yeah, think yeah. it was repetitive um, I think they were, you know, definitely could have some better options from a recovery standpoint. And so one major change that I, that I did that I felt like the Eagles did really well was they fed their, you know, they get, I love giving guys options of stuff to eat. So instead of getting boxed meals, we did a buffet. So we did a buffet at the hotel, the team hotel. So guys came over and then they had a, you know, so we had taco night or whatever, so they could build their tacos or they could get rice and beef and they could build it they could put sour cream on there if they wanted they you know put cheese on there they wanted and like it was such a huge it sounds so silly like small but from a from going from like box lunches to like a build your own like man i'm a i'm, a, I'm an adult yeah you know what i mean yeah. like he's trusting me he's giving me all this stuff now it's up to me to decide what to get so if i'm a weight loss guy yeah i probably don't need to add a bunch of cheese and sour cream yeah you know what i mean but you can if you want, it was kind of big boy rules. And that was kind of my way of explaining it. Um, and I think I earned a ton of trust when they kind of saw that was my style. So that was a huge success. The whole training camp, we would have these buffet type meals at night and they loved it. I mean, it was so much more, um, that they had had in the past. Um, and I was so grateful for, administration to give me the because that cost money yeah right yeah, yeah that makes that that makes that everything was a, huge, a little easier yeah so that was a huge increase in price and i mean i you know i got a little bit of heat for that from the you know um executives but obviously you know they understood what i was trying to do i had to explain the message of why 
you know, and also explain the message of camaraderie, you know, when you get a to, to go box, everybody just grabs a to go box and goes in their room and eats by themselves. Well, yeah. when you have a buffet, you're breaking bread with your brothers, you're in the same room, you're talking, you're having fun, you're t- kind of taking the load off a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so I thought that was really good. And then another one was just, you know, the nutrient timing standpoint there, we always had, I kind of called it the pre post table. But as they every time, every single time that they'd walk off the weight room floor or walk off the practice field, there was nutrition. I mean, it was shakes, smoothies, fruit. I mean, you know, before obviously there's some carbohydrate stuff, gels, chews, blah, 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 blah. But it was just it was it was a presence that I don't think they'd ever had before. And it was just really cool to kind of see guys buy in. Um, because it was just in their face all the time, and I really like that. So that was something that we did really well. Um and just the things that probably, you know, mistakes or blah, 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 was really relationships with um, administration. I mean, I had a good relationship with Ivan, but then it was tough to, you know, what kind of relationship do I need to have with the head coach? Mm-hmm. What kind of relationship do I need to have with the assistant coaches? Mm-hmm. You know, do I email them the body weights? Do I go talk to them in person about guys? Do they care you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes yeah. you're like, you know, do they care about this? Um, and then I think I really learned a lesson. You know, Ivan kind of sat me down and was like, you know, you need to, you, need to, you know, do you need to be present upstairs more, right? Yeah. Quote unquote upstairs. So you can't just be around the players. Like you need to really go up and be around coaches and be around administration and, and that, you know, that type of thing. And that was something that it took me a little time because that's not my personality. Yeah. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little bit uh, introverted, I would say, at heart. So for me to be, you know, extremely extroverted at work, I can do it, but it, you know, that's not me naturally. So I really had to go out of, get out of my comfort zone, and go see assistant coaches and talk to them about players. And you know, hey, do you, do you need any, you know, out of your position group, are there any guys that you're worried about that I need to get with? And just kind of go on that extra, extra mile. So it took a little bit of time to to, to really figure out the dynamic. Because it's very different in pros and colleges, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just different. I mean, it's just really understanding people, how they want to be communicated with, when do they want to be communicated with, what's important, what's not important. So that was uh, probably my biggest. Because I was a director there. That was my first job. Like, I didn't know. It was tough for me to really figure out, you know, how much communication I think was, that, did they want. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple great things in there that I just want to reemphasize is that uh, – and you hit the nail on the top of the head when you talked about the one of the best things someone can do to set you up for success is really champion your importance at being there. And if that's a head strength and conditioning coach uh, emphasizing or setting you up for success, if you're an assistant or if you're, if you're an assistant setting up your graduate assistants, but also mm-hmm. if you're a sport coach, if you're the head sport coach of X then making mm-hmm. sure that that message of the importance of strength conditioning, the importance of nutrition, the importance of your allied health uh, support team, uh, that goes so, so uh, long of a way um, because mm-hmm. it's ultimately that's where the buck stops, um, the head yep. coach. So I think having that unified support and having that unified vision is really, really important. And I think one of the things you said about just – you know, increasing your availability through the proximity that you have with your athletes is is really important. And I know that's that's sort of a resounding theme I hear more and more uh, being discussed about with sports science is just 
making sure that athletes feel your presence, not through mm-hmm. data collection, but in the support of you at a practice field or other environments, a training session, so that just by proximity, just by being around the athletes, that they can continue to feel more comfortable with you um, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, you're, a, you're just being a test subject and you're just right. collecting information from them. So right. I, I think there's a, a lot of really, really good good pieces in that and you know i think you you alluded to it you talked about you know some of the the things that i think are really resounding right now around strength conditioning um which is you know more of the soft skills if you will um and i I use that with air quotations around them but the (laughs) the skills of communication the skills of um, building trust, establishing trust, valuing mm-hmm. uh, that relationship piece. Um, I know you you talked a little bit about some of your time at uh, Athletes Performance or now Exos and and your uh, interaction with Brett Bartholomew there. And I think that's mm-hmm. sort of certainly a name that sort of uh, resonates in the strength conditioning world um, mm-hmm. as you know conscious coaching and building buy in. But was there any sort of particular lessons or mentors or things you've read or things that you experimented with to help you who is maybe already more naturally inclined to be a little bit more introverted? Was there things that helped you get outside that introvertedness box to allow you to be more extroverted and more, uh, you know, relationship building more around more vocal? I mean, is there anything that really resonates along that sort of narrative? Um, I think just, you know, for me, it was just maybe surrounding myself with people like Brett, you know, I think you said his name, but I always bring him up because he was kind of one of the first, you know, the first ones I kind of see, saw, saw do it in, in real life, right, in action. I mean, he was all about relationships and building buy-in and things like that. So I think, um, you know, I surrounded myself, whether it was at Exos, University of Texas, just people that really did it well. And I think for me, I just, I started to just read more so i remember i read the book you know how to win friends and influence people yeah um by dale carnegie um and that was probably 2000 i think that was i think it was a reading assignment at exos or athletes performance um but i just started really reading about just you know human nature and you know what drives people and things like that and obviously there's only so much you can get out of a book but i think i really took it to heart and tried to practice some of those things in my in my real life and i think I think obviously there's just the amount of confidence that comes with experience. Um, and, you know, because, you know, you, like for me, you know, USC was my – that was my first full-time job. I was like, all right, we're about to find out if I can really do this or not. You know, and when you have a positive influence and when you leave, you know, and they don't want you to leave. Um, and, you know, they talk about how, you know, you left a, a lasting – impression legacy there for the guys and stuff like that you're like man i can i can really do this at a high level and start gaining gaining confidence in yourself um that i think now drives me you know to get past the introvertedness and um i think it's a little bit easier for me to do that and then obviously just knowledge i mean i think knowledge once (laughs) the more knowledge you have i think the more confidence you have and i think that can lead to a little bit more um extrovertedness you said it, uh, you know, how to win friends and influence people, um, which I, is a book I certainly recommend to my own staff. And uh, 
And it was a reading assignment that I, uh, I also gave. Um, there's a number of books that I'm going to list here because it's, it's so, uh, time, the timing is right, but conscious coaching, uh, the art of science of building buy-in the charisma myth, how anyone can master the art and science of personal magnetism, just from a, uh, a relationship standpoint, the like switch, never split the difference influence. Um, I think that's, uh, Robert Cialdini's work persuasion, Mm -hmm. 48 laws of power. Robert green, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, wrote that one, but this was, uh, just a list of books that my staff, uh, was recommended only because the, I think they're great technicians, but one of the things I really wanted them to do a little bit better was have that sort of personal relationship, that, that presence about them as coaching, uh, coaches on the floor. And, you know, and as a segue to that, I think what also really, really helps you, and uh, you, you said it in your history, and you certainly said it when you talked about um, the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and that particular person being in this sort of hybrid role um, and maybe a, a point of influence or something that you aspired and you've seen, but I you fit that hybrid role. I mean, you've done, you know, just the pure S and C aspect of it when you went back mm-hmm. and now you're on the, the the performance nutrition piece. And I think that that gives someone a lot of confidence when you're sitting down and you know the physicality of OTAs. You know the mm-hmm. travel demands and what that's right. gonna look like on the practice field and the competitive environment. Uh, during a season and you can have that sort of understanding of how the physical and the technical tactical realms of performance and the demands that is to help dictate what you might need to do differently. I mean, do you feel the same way like that? That gave you a lot of experience or confidence or knowledge to be able to execute what you do now at the Philadelphia Eagles uh, even greater and even better. 100 percent. And I'm actually, you know, grateful enough, Josh, you know, he's a head strength coach here. He's actually, you know, so I'm the coordinator of performance nutrition, but I do assist in the strength conditioning here as well, especially during the off season program where we have, you know, lifting groups, you know, two different lifting groups for an hour and a half each. We have the rookies in their own lifting group now. Um, So there, you know, there's an opportunity for me to take a group in the weight room. Um, And it's been awesome. I mean, it's been great. And I think, you know, I don't think that I could be successful and I'm not saying I'm like ultra successful or anything like that by any means. I'm saying the success of my program here is, is driven a lot by the relationships I make in the weight room. Yeah. Because, you know, as you know, you know, so for example, the first, the first phase of OSP off season, you know, when they report in April, they're in the building for four hours. I mean, four hours and then they're out. And the four hours is essentially a meeting. They got some meetings. We got a weight room group for an hour and a half. Then we switch another weight room group for an hour and a half. They eat lunch and they're gone, right? When the bell rings, they're going to leave. Yeah. Because, you know, they got families and, you know, they got stuff. That's fine. Like, they're going to get out of there. And so as a nutritionist, you know, you got to be pretty realistic. You think a guy is going to (laughs) stay after the bell rings to come see you about nutrition? Yeah. Like I, I'm not that naive, you know what I mean? And, but yeah. see, at first I was, I was like, I can't believe I was even, was like, Hey, what if we offered a education, um, <laughs> like education class? Like I'll do a presentation on Thursday afternoon. You're right. Just, and whoever comes, comes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nobody, nobody. 
and that's fine. And like, you know what I mean? I get it. So as a strength conditioning, to be able to help with that aspect and be in the weight room, and I'm not saying every RD, not every RD is going to be a strength coach and I'm not, not every RD is even going to have any strength conditioning background, but that is really a unique, I think, thing for me that's really helped me uh, to build these relationships because you have so many valuable um, conversations in the weight room. Yeah. You know, for, I mean, conversations that you couldn't have anywhere else because you can't catch a guy fast Mm -hmm. enough. So if you have something to talk about to somebody, you can go, hey, hey, what's up, man? Hey, how's that going? Hey, are you taking your vitamin D? Hey, this, that, right? You can have little small little check-ins. It doesn't have to be an hour and a half consultation every time you talk to a guy. Yeah. It can just be really quick. Hey, how's that? How's that going? You need anything from me? Hey, I saw your weight was up a little bit over your goal today. You need me to do anything for you? That type of thing. Because sometimes you can't even catch a guy to talk to him. I mean, it's crazy. Because they're so back, like, meetings and everything they're on such a strict they don't have a lot of downtime yeah and then the downtime they do have is at lunch and breakfast and you don't i don't really like bothering guys i don't like bothering athletes a lot at meal times because i think that's a time when they can really just kind of like shut it down and enjoy food i don't want to make food like work so i don't want to sit down and start drilling them with nutrition questions i know yeah. that seems kind of crazy but since you think that'd be a prime time but i don't, I don't know i feel like you got to catch them when you can, and the strength conditioning piece has really helped me do that and just and just build the trust. I mean, I think just building the trust. I think obviously the, the relationship that athletes have with strength conditioning coaches, uh, you know, are obviously huge. Um, and for me to be be able to kind of create those relationships in that in that setting, it's pretty special. So yeah. that's definitely been been able to separate me a little bit, and I feel like give me a lot of my confidence and the success of the program. I think uh, what's really important about that is that. You know, so much of the conversation, so much of the personalities of each athlete comes out through the medium of strength and conditioning and that sort of that environment aspect of it. And -hmm. the things that I I find really important is whether you are a, you know, applied sports psychologist, whether you're, you know, coordinator of nutrition, performance nutrition, whether you're a sports scientist, whether whatever you might be in your professional pursuit. And I know some organizations are different where it's it's a little bit more siloed and the walls are up and everybody stays in their offices. But the more that people can come together and blend together and we start to have, you know, psychologists that are knowing what's happening in the weight room, nutritionalists mm-hmm. knowing what's going on in the practice field and in the weight room, SNC knowing what's going on in their, their other environments. I think mm-hmm. that's ultimately better serves the athlete at the end of the day. It becomes yeah. more vertically integrated and that everybody can understand where are the edges of what their personal professional pursuits are and when right. they need to defer. And I just think that's so incredibly important. And I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that um, mm-hmm. because I, I find that myself, including is that, you know, I pursued strength and conditioning because I love the environment. I love the people aspect of it. And mm-hmm. then it was only sports science. Secondly. Um, right. and that it, it still revolves around the weight room because there's just no other better vehicle to have these touch points in an athlete. Hey, how's your sleep? Hey, your weight's up or your, your weight's down. What do we need to do differently? How can I help? It's ultimately, how can I help? 
right. and that might be nutrition, that might be sleep, that might be, you know, uh, educational counseling or, you know, psychological counseling or second sessions or whatever, technical, tactical sessions out there on the basketball court. It ultimately, a lot of the first line stuff, the red flags, the indicators <laughs> can be found in the weight room because it's just a different environment that uh, I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's just that environment of them kind of in there, you know, quote unquote, grinding together and, and they see you in there with them. You're kind of a part of the camaraderie. And I think that's really where you get a lot of the connectedness with them day in and day out. And so it's important that, you know, for me, at least anyways, I feel like it's important that, that I'm in there with them. Yeah, I, I certainly agree, man. And, uh, you know, I know with, you know, for, for people that might not be privy to sort of the, the interworkings of athletics at a high level and sort of the demands, the time demands, um, and they might be, maybe it's an international audience that is listening to this and, and they're thinking, okay, here we got American football, um, and whatever their views of that might be, uh, in their respects. But I'd love for you, if you could just kind of give maybe those audience members, what a typical day looks like for you. Because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think professional sports, the highest level, Philadelphia Eagles, coordinator of performance Mm -hmm. nutrition, you know, there's a lot of like, allure and flashing lights to it but mm-hmm. I, I i'd love for you just to sort of vaguely or as detailed as you want describe what that looks like a typical day and i know that's seasonal but what a typical mm-hmm. day might look like for you yeah i mean you touched you touched on it. it's definitely seasonal um because obviously right now at this point in time we're not traveling we don't have games because you know when games start up and we're traveling on you know airplanes and we're dealing with hotels and stadiums you know food service management becomes you know a predominant um, influence so um yeah i'll try to kind of get a vague maybe touch on some of that stuff um but you know really my my responsibilities so one of my big ones is i I work with our executive chefs and plan our menus so we serve our guys breakfast and lunch and then dinner twice a week during the season and so really working very closely with our executive chef and our kitchen staff to make sure that we're given giving guys a good balance of meals. Um, you know, I'm never one to, you know, we're always just having chicken, broccoli and round rice, you know, <laughs> but I'm also never, it's also never going to always be fried chicken and chicken fingers and French yeah. fries. All right. So, but I mean, you gotta, it's, you gotta kind of cut the guys a break sometimes, give them some balance yeah. and have some fun. But, you know, I try to explain kind of, you know, why we're doing what we do and I work well with them and just making sure we got some good, you know, my big, like one of my biggest deals is have, have something for everybody. So if you're away and, and then it's up to them to choose. Mm-hmm. So, okay, maybe we do have grilled chicken and broccoli and rice and maybe we do have some chicken fingers down there. Okay. You're a weight loss guy. What, what do you think you need to do? Cause essentially it's big boy rules, yeah. right? You're grown, you're a grown man in this, in this sport. I mean, you know, 21 to 35 years old. It's like, you know, it's a lot of you guys been eating longer than I have. So yeah. I think, you know, you know what you need to do. You know what I mean? And if you don't want to do what you think you need to do, that's on you. You know, it's big boy rules. I can only help you as much as you want to be helped. So I really am a big believer of just kind of, you know, making try to make everybody happy, quote unquote, which is impossible um, from a food side. But that's kind of my belief on that. Um, so we I manage our, our fuel station. So we have a little fuel bar fuel station outside of our weight room, right outside of our locker room. It's really, really well placed um, from a nutrient timing standpoint. Guys walking by it on meet to meetings, walking by it 
after lifts, after practice. That's where we do a lot of our nutrient timing stuff. What do we need to do right before the lift? What do we need to do before training? What, what do we have from a recovery standpoint after? So I have a, you know, blessed enough to have the support to have an intern kind of manage that little space and kind of manage the, what do we, what do we offering? you know, um, offering fresh fruit and yogurt and hard boiled eggs. What kind of snacks do we have in there for the guys? What kind of smoothies and that type of stuff are we doing for them after? Um, so that's a big, that's kind of a whole, you know, you kind of have two different silos there. You have your training table, which is a whole separate food service operation. And then you have your fuel station, which is a whole separate food service operation. So you kind of have two things going at the same time there. Um, and that's, it's a lot of food service and food service probably, as you know, I mean, you're talking about ordering and inventory, yeah. managing expiration dates, <laughs> um, best buy dates. I mean, you know, can you imagine if somebody eats an expired something and gets sick or something like that? I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. Try so, explaining that to the head coach. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. Especially, yeah, when it's around games and stuff. So that's a whole, I mean, that's a full-time job right there is just somebody managing. And it is, I have an intern that is literally that's a full-time job managing that space, managing the food and ordering and inventory and, and all that type of stuff. It's crazy. I mean, you're feeding 90 grown men yeah. every day. So, um, and then, you know, I, you know, I'm very grateful to be, you know, involved with the, the body weights, uh, help, helping set the goal body weights. Mm-hmm. I know that differs kind of where you're at, what sports you're in. You know, sometimes the strength coach does it. Sometimes the position coaches do it, but I have a, I have a lot of, uh, you know, they kind of give me a lot of rain on setting those goal body weights, which is awesome because I do the body composition analysis. Nice. So we'll do uh, skin fold. We do the skin folds, uh, seven sight, and I'll do those. And then when we have new guys come in, I'll set a goal body weight. And a lot of go- a lot goes into that goal body weight, yeah. but we'll give them a little range that they need to stay in. Um, and obviously, it starts getting a little bit more serious when we get in season because there's fines involved and stuff like that when guys are over. Yeah. Um, their goal ranges, but uh, that's a big deal. You know, we right now we we weigh in once a week, and in season we'll we'll have a mandatory weigh in. And you know, obviously in an ideal world we'd weigh them every single day, but that's such a logistic it's a logistical uh, challenge, way more than you would ever believe. Trying to catch ninety guys to step on a scale for two seconds it seems yep. simple, but as you know, it's uh it's pretty challenging. Um. So that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, analyzing that every week. So, okay, this guy's trending up. This guy's trending down. What's going on? He's not in his goal weight. I'll go talk to him. We'll get something going. If it's maybe his body. So we just did body fat. Uh, we do it, you know, at the beginning of season, mid-offseason, end of season. Well, you know, we got some guys going up, some guys going down. The guys that are going up want to know, hey, what what can I do to get that back down? And they're usually pretty good that kind of coming to me um say hey my body fat went down can you help me like what do, what do we need to do yeah so that's great because i'm you know uh it helps that i'm actually doing the analysis so it's not a second step for them to have to go find me then i'm right there um and then you know so then from that kind of going off that like i'll do meal plans with guys and that's usually what people think of when they think of oh so nutritionist so you do meal plans <laughs> um but that's such a small part you know really of what i do but so yeah so if a guy is out of his range and he wants a nutrition plan you know we'll sit down and go a full-blown consult if he wants to um that's very rarely happens like that where a guy is going to give you 30 minutes of his time to give you a 24-hour recall and all that the all that cool stuff you learn about in school usually got to get like a few snippets out um and give them what you know a couple nuggets to take home maybe a couple goals i like to give about three goals okay 
for this, you know, the next couple of weeks, let's try to do this. Let's try to eat this at breakfast. Let's try to eat a little bit more protein here at this and et cetera, et cetera. Instead of having these full blown nutrition plans. Um, cause you get guys on all spectrums. Some guys want literally like a tip, just tell me what to do. And some guys want, you know, a full blown meal plan. Just tell me literally what I need to eat all day, every day. Yeah. So you kind of, again, that's where relationships, that's where relationships are important and understanding, you know, where, where that guy's at, where yeah. that athlete's at. And you don't want to overbear them. You know, they'll come sit down and you don't want to give them 45 minute lecture on your principles of sports nutrition and you'll lose them pretty fast. So you gotta be pretty selective. Um, and then from that, you know, education, obviously uh, a lot of it's a passive education just through signage and things like that. But it's really cool with the rookies coming in. We do some really good onboarding stuff where, you know, I just gave a presentation to the rookies this last week. I'm going to give another one um, in two weeks. So that's a really good time to touch guys when they come in, new guys, about, hey, this is how we do things around here. This is the resources that we have available from the nutrition side. Um, the challenge for me – is how do I get get in front of the, the team, like the, the active members? Yeah, I think that's probably one of my biggest challenges is, is education from a team-wide standpoint um, because it's very hard to get that time, which is why you got to kind of be creative and, hey, 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 Josh, during the foam roll today, can I get up and maybe talk about two points? Give me like two minutes type of thing and just being really creative with your time. Like what time do you have and how can you utilize it to educate? Yeah. Um, and then now we're even getting, I mean, now we're even getting more into biochemical analysis. So, you know, I'm urine. So urine specific gravity testing, um, looking at sweat testing, we do sweat testing during camp. You know, some of the blood stuff is, is new now, you know, obviously the vitamin D's and things like that, but maybe looking more at uh, performance markers, creatine kinase and IL-6 looking at inflammation and stuff like that. And you, you know, you got nutrigenomics coming around the corner and you know, that's not ready for for real time right now but you know five ten years that might be something we're messing with too is looking at people's nutrigenomics profile and do a meal plan so i feel like the role is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and that's that part is huge the individualization piece of it and because i think that's where guys really buy in um is when they see their blood work or see their sweat results or their urine specific gravity and they know okay that's me like the intervention is for me yeah it's not a team-wide deal um so so, yeah, so then, I mean, that's that's kind of there as well, kind of managing that stuff. And then, you know, just, you know, when we do get in season, it becomes very food service dominant. So, all right, what are we eating on the airplane? You know, say we're going to Seattle. You know, what do we have on the airplane? Do we have enough from a hydration standpoint? Are they educated on what they need to do? Do we have snacks that kind of fit our goals from a hydration standpoint? Okay, when we get to Seattle, well, what do we have to eat at the, at the hotel? What are we eating that night? What are we eating pregame meal? Um, what are we eating at the stadium? Like, what do we have within the locker room we're going to do from a nutrient timing standpoint? What are we doing at halftime to, you know, to kind of get the guys ready to go for the second half? And then what are we doing post-game meal to get a good recovery meal? What are we doing on the plane ride back? So it becomes a ton of food service management um, when we get in season and just kind of planning. I mean, it's really just planning a ton of meals. But that's what you really do as a sports nutritionist. I mean, you're really just managing – you're managing food a lot of times. Yeah. You I know, mean, you're spending a ton of money on food as an organization and as a college or whatever it may be. Like you need somebody there managing that. I think what's, and not to interrupt you at all, but what's really sort of uh, 
challenging in that, especially when the travel demands start to come up. And there, there, there's a lot that I could bite into this, uh, at least the last couple minutes here. But, you know, so often that responsibility from a food service management perspective gets passed on to director of operations mm-hmm. at the collegiate level that doesn't have a registered dietitian or a performance nutritionist that are working with them. And it's up to Mm -hmm. these individuals to work out logistics, flights, travel, team buses, busing from airport to hotel, bus from hotel to the stadium to play their, you know, 2 p.m. basketball game or whatever game. And they're having to coordinate nutritional training tables and meal planning for 15 to 20 to various team sizes. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't necessarily have the, the nutritional education to, to be able to support that or to facilitate the, the weight loss or weight gain goals for different positional or individual groups. And I just think that's, that's a challenge that sometimes smaller organizations has that mm-hmm. maybe doesn't have the luxury of being able to have someone like yourself in their, in their organization. Right. Uh, you, you said it in that sort of, that, uh, that sort of timeline of, of what a typical day looks like as far as just your early interactions with the new faces coming into your organization. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to just touch on that as we sort of get towards the end of this here. But you obviously intake, I mean, some of the best athletes in the world. uh, You know, again, there's not that many NFL football teams, 32 football teams. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious about, I mean, is the new batch of athletes that are entering into a professional football league are they more versed about nutrition than maybe what they were, you know, a couple years ago? Is that more, do you find that they're, they're coming in with a better nutritional foundation, if you will, from an education standpoint? And if not, I mean, what are, what are just some of the general things that, that you have to touch upon, uh, that maybe the listening audience wouldn't, wouldn't anticipate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, I think, I definitely think that there is a improvement in the, the nutrition exposure and nutrition knowledge that guys have coming in now because so many universities now have sports nutritionists. But at the same time, um, you know, a lot of colleges still, they just have, you know, maybe one director of nutrition for the whole university. Wow. I don't, I think there's only still a handful of people, a handful of universities and teams that actually have a, a football only person. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could name a few off the top of my head, but it's not definitely not predominant. So, yeah, guys have been they're a little bit more exposed than maybe they were 10, 15 years ago. But I mean, there's still baseline nutrition knowledge that is not there in the majority of them. So I think the biggest challenge for me is, you know, before we, you know, I always like to jump ahead and start getting into these like all these, you know, really cool things that we're doing and all this stuff. But I'm like, I need to rewind sometimes like Michael does. He even know what a carb is. Yeah. And he, most of the time he doesn't. Yeah. And so, I mean, we're sitting here talking about principles and we're talking about biochemical analysis and we're talking about all this cool stuff. And, and it's like, we need to like seriously rewind and, and does he even understand like macronutrients and, and energy balance and what that even means and why, like, why is that important? So I think during the, the that onboarding process, I, I really try to, and I probably still could do better is really kind of rewind it. Um, but the challenge is, you know, I only get like two 20 minute sessions. So you gotta, like, you can't just talk about carbohydrates (laughs) for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? I wish you could and the importance of that, but 
so that's a it's still a challenge i mean it's that is probably my biggest challenge low-hanging fruit you know no pun mm-hmm. intended is like how do i continue to not just educate these guys for 20 minutes when they come in how do i continue to educate them throughout the season throughout their careers and and because all of it's so passive and you know how much a, you know they'll look at a sign once yep <laughs> and be like cool that's cool you know what i mean like are they really learning um so it's it's difficult i mean it's just really difficult but i definitely think as more nutritionists are added in college that that will only get better but you think about it's kind of crazy because even now when you know yeah maybe there is a nutritionist for um football that's still one nutritionist for 90 guys yeah i mean we still forget that we're like you know that's still that's a lot of guys for one person like are you really touching i mean are you really able to teach like that Mm -hmm. i mean i don't i doubt it and you're not yeah i doubt that person's getting a ton of you know in front of them time too yeah I mean, obviously, you know, at USC, like I was grateful enough to be able to get in front of the team probably more than most people are, but still. I mean, really, when you get in front of the team, you're pretty selective on what you're talking about. Hey, guys, we're going into camp. Like hydration testing is going to be a big thing. This is what hydration testing is. This is why we do it. You know, you're not up there talking about macronutrients 101. Yep. So it's usually pretty, like, specific to, hey, what do you need to talk about? Why do you need to talk about it? Why is that topical right now? Hey, your vitamin D levels came back. You know why is it important that you we need to etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's so it's very selective and it's like that baseline knowledge is so tough but that's so culturally driven like where you don't know where the guy came from and you know what kind of beliefs he had growing up and it's crazy yeah yeah no doubt on that now i i think you've you would say and maybe you know i, I don't know if you would necessarily uh, have said it but i think you have been a beneficiary of the various stops along the way. And I know it, it might have seemed like hardships uh, to go from one internship to the next internship to the next one to this opportunity, that opportunity. But like you said, sort of serendipitously, you never know who you're going to meet and the network that mm-hmm. you'll make and who they might be and where they might be in some and some facet of helping you professionally. Mm-hmm. I would love for you. I mean, do you, would, do you have any advice for, let's say this is I, a listening uh, audience is saying, hey, you know, I want to get into performance nutrition and I don't even know where to start. I'm a, I'm a dietetic student at X university or I'm studying nutrition. This seems awesome. This is what I want to do. I love football. I love nutrition. I mean, mm-hmm. what would be that sort of general advice you would give that, that uh, aspiring intern? Yeah. I mean, I think my biggest, my biggest piece of advice that I always give is don't limit yourself geographically. Um, I think what really helped me was, you know, I was, I was single, you know, I had a family that was supportive of me going wherever I needed to go. And I could literally at the drop of a dime move, I could get in my car and just go somewhere. And I mean, I was, I always had that mindset. I was never, man, I, I just, I really want to stay in Kansas or, Hey, I like Los Angeles. I really just want to stay in LA. Um, I always have a mindset of I'll go wherever it takes. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes I'll talk to interns, like they'll send me an email or something on LinkedIn and they'll say, you know, they'll say, Hey, I'm from New Jersey. Um, really, you know, I'm from here, huge Eagles fan would, you know, love to kind of, uh, would love to do an internship with you. And, you know, I'll talk to them a little bit more and, you know, well, my family's around here. I'd really like to just stay here in, you know, in Jersey or Philly or whatever it may be. And I, you know, it's like, well, do you realize that, 
okay, you want to be a professional RD, but well, there's 32 opportunities and now you're limiting yourself even more Yeah. by saying, I just want to stay in this region. So now you've got like two or three. So now you literally have three opportunities. And so I just can't, it's for somebody trying to look into getting into sports nutrition, whether it's that collegiate or professional, I think you just got to be flexible. You, you got to be flexible to move and do what it takes. Um, and just really go, go wherever it takes. That's be my biggest, my biggest piece of advice is don't limit yourself. Don't feel like you got to stay in one area. I think, you know, and this is something I share with our staff, especially as they're, you know, growing and going through an internship program or graduate assistantship is that there's three different ways of looking at wealth. Um, mm-hmm. There's time, right? Having the, the actual time availability. Some, some people might work 18 hours a day and they don't have the time to do something. There is mm-hmm. the money aspe- uh, aspect of it. So you have all the money in the world. Um, that's great. You're financially taken care of. But if you're still locked down by time, you still can't do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then what you just alluded to, the mobility piece, mm-hmm. having the flexibility to do everything. So maybe right. maybe you don't have the money, but you have a lot of time. You have the mobility to do it. Mm-hmm. I think the mobility piece, especially in sport, is so huge because the opportunity to do something is so few. And if you Mm -hmm. limit yourself geographically to only the northeastern part of the country, then you're significantly lowering your opportunity. And uh, and I know that's that's sort of echoed a lot in sports in the collegiate world, you know, (laughs) rent don't buy uh, Mm -hmm. because you don't know your time. You don't know how long you'll be somewhere. You don't know if you'll be fired. But right. I just think that mobility piece is also so, so crucial. So I'm so glad that uh, that you said that, Mike, yeah. I think you've you've shared so much. Let me interrupt, with, I'm gonna interrupt yeah. you real quick. I'm yeah, go ahead, man. I, I, I like your the time money. I love what you just said. And I just want to like kind of back up my comments. Like, you know, me personally, I'm grateful. You know, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to support to do that. I completely yeah. understand if you don't. Yeah. If you have a family, you know, if this is a third career for you and this just doesn't, you don't have the money. I mean, I understand. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think it's all context specific. Like, I don't want to sit here and say, hey, you've got to move. Like, you've got to be ready to move if that's what it takes. I understand that some people, it just can't, you can't. So I think it's just, it depends on the person and the situation. And unfortunately or fortunately, I guess that's just how, how this thing works. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's important too. You know I mean? Context, yeah. it's hard to right. say like absolutes in anything, right? Like yeah, never say sure. never, never say always, you know, like it's, right. the context is so important to the, uh, the dialogue and the conversation. Right. Uh, Absolutely. you know, I, I wanted to thank you for coming on obviously in the decoding excellence show and, and sharing, you know, whether your background, your history of what you've learned through your various stops, some of what the day-to-day looks like for you as you're working in the Philadelphia Eagles organization and sort of what performance nutrition entails. You can, uh, you can find Mike on Twitter at M-M-I-N-I-S 89. Um, is there any other good ways for anybody if they're passing through like Philadelphia area and they, you know, wanted, this is their passion. This is their calling. This is what they wanted to do. Is there a good contact information or any other ways they can reach out or, or find your materials that you share? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, it's just Michael menace or, you know, I don't mind, uh, you know, share my email address cause I don't mind, you know, if you, honestly, I don't ever, 
you know, ignore people's emails. Anybody's have a question, interest, anything, I'm always willing to jump on a call and help people out. Um, Cause that's how, you know, I kind of got where I'm from is people were willing to help me and give me advice and stuff like that. So uh, email is M as in Michael and my last name, M I N N I S at eagles.nfl.com. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure I, I won't share that on the show notes because I don't want you to get 17 million spam emails, but yeah. I will reward the listening audience for them to listening, you know, an hour and so into the, uh, into the show, uh, with that information here. So Perfect. Mike, man, I want to thank you for coming on. This is, this is awesome. This has been just a personal conversation that I've been really looking forward to and to talk to someone also in the Kansas area. That's, that's assumed, you know, a great professional responsibility and, and find their way and doing what they love and doing what their calling is and doing mm-hmm. it at the highest level um, is, is really rewarding and awesome. So thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate your time, Adam. It was awesome. Appreciate it. Until next time, man, we'll, we'll touch base. Absolutely. I want to thank my guest today, Michael Menes from the Philadelphia Eagles, coordinator of performance nutrition for coming on the Decoding Excellence show today and sharing his wisdom and some of the, the stops and the experiences he's learned through his journey through athletics. One of the sole reasons I started the Decoding Excellence show was to show some of the similarities that we all have in different professional domains, whether it's strength and conditioning, performance enhancement, performance nutrition, physical therapy, or any other part of this multidisciplinary approach to elite athletics. And like always, if you've taken anything away from the Decoding Excellence show, I ask two things from you. Number one, please share this show on your favorite social media of choice, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it might be, please retweet it, share it, and allow for other people that might not be exposed to the show to navigate their way and find and identify that this show is a resource for them so they can continue their own pursuit in their coaching uh, and practitioner career. And secondly, log on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews help expose and move the Decoding Excellence show higher in the iTunes rankings. So again, at the end of the day, it just helps young practitioners and coaches be able to find this as a resource for them so they can continue to learn and grow from the experiences that we all share as practitioners and coaches. So like always, thank you so much for your continued support with supporting the Decoding Excellence show. I want to thank our show sponsors, Vaud Performance, for their contribution. And like always, please tune in next week. Thank you.